You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday at 10.30 a.m. or 7 p.m. This is really important because it's, it's to people like this that the kingdom of God belongs. If you don't make a change, you don't change direction and get, and get like these people become like these kids, it's going to be really hard for you to ever realize the kingdom of God. So I think I've seen that scripture, like images of that in like more like Christian bookstore art than like anything else ever. You guys, some of you laugh, you know what I'm talking about. You've been in Christian bookstores. You know what I'm talking about. I think we like that image, right, of this really kind and really, really super safe Jesus who's like, you could, it would be like the ideal babysitter. Right? Like, I'm sure you want to leave your kids with your next door neighbor's, uh, you know, niece who wears like, who dresses like they dress in high school now. But Jesus is a babysitter. That would be awesome, right? It would be like so safe and wonderful. Kids would come back all like blessed up and like, probably really good and stuff. Bless up. <laughs> Thanks, Thomas. <laughs> I need it today, so keep it coming. All right. Not feeling super prepared as much as I want to be. I'm gonna try. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't really like that particular artwork. Uh. Anyway, my feelings don't have a lot to do with it. But yeah, I think it's kind of. I think it's kind of a little cheesy, a little missing missing the point maybe. Because Jesus, I mean, it's not about like lionizing kids, right? Like making kids some kind of like you know, icon we can hold up and, and be like, you know, we should all be like three-year-olds. In some ways, we, we would want to be, right? In some ways. Um, like, if I could be like Finn and just go everywhere and spread joy, I mean, that would be great, right? But Pat knows the kids are kind of a pain in the neck, too. They're not just like sunshine all the time, right? I mean, even Tom, with his beautiful kids, he knows, right? Tom, you got stories? Yeah, kids are unruly, right? It's unruly, unruly. They're like out of hand, like most of the time. They're out of out of hand, right? So, I mean, it doesn't really make sense for Jesus to be telling us unless you get all unruly and out of hand, you know, you're not going to, you know. I mean, it, it's not like so. You see, the the, the bookstore art thing is kind of, kind of falls apart pretty quickly, I think. So. What, what's Jesus going at here? You know, what, what's what's going on? I mean, in the end, you know, I mean, you can look at what Jesus does, not just what he says, but what he does. He doesn't, like, form a band of toddlers to make disciples of. You know, he doesn't, like, start a kid's crusade, or and he's not like the Pied Piper. You know, I mean, I think this is a... This is a lesson or something going on, so we want to get into the lesson and see what it's about. I'm not sure if it was in this version I read, but when I studied up on this, the scripture I was reading uh, made a big point of, it was the use of the word, uh, what did it say? Unless you are converted and become as such as, as these, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. Another way to say it is uh, repent, unless you repent and become like these. Right? Another, which is another way to say, unless you change direction, unless you turn around and find a new course, 
unless, you know, you won't realize this great thing, the kingdom of heaven. And I think it's important to know that Jesus wasn't talking to the kids when he said this, right? He was talking to the people closest to him, the disciples. Probably a lot like you. Probably about the same age as you guys, us here, right? Yeah, I think they're probably pretty much the same age as us. And probably had the same kind of like worries and uh, fears, same kind of regrets, same kind of uh, you know pet peeves that we have. So I, I think we we should start there and say, well, what's Jesus saying to me when he says, unless you unless you turn around and become like children? It's not going to feel good. It's the same. So uh, I, w- I want to say to you, like to sum it all up, I think he's saying something about remember when you were a little kid. Remember that? Can you? Can you get there in your heart? At least has to look away. You want me to break that? I don't know why, but you're doing something to me. So, <laughs> all right. Can you get there in your heart? I guess. Can you? Can you allow that little kid in you? You're not that far away from that, right? I mean, people who do psychology tricks, people who do who study psychology and do psychology to us. And research this stuff, they will tell you that like so much of who you are gets like set up in those first few years of life, right? How you attach to your parents, how stable that attachment is. There's really something to this. So I've I've been thinking lately that when Jesus is saying this, now let them come to me. He's maybe he's even saying to his disciples, you know, that that child that's still in you. That little baby, that little toddler, that little preschool kid, that little kid entering kindergarten for the first time, that little kid who's getting all the the tough blows of elementary school. Can you remember that? Can you get there in your heart? Do you think you're not that anymore? I think it's a good question. I mean, what's the earliest thing you can remember? Like in your life, like how far back do your memories go? It'd be really interesting to go around the room and hear from everybody. You can do that in a cell. You know, we have little cell meetings where you can actually get into it real deep. Now, we won't do that here, but if anybody has something pop into their head, it'd be great to share it right now. Hey, yeah, did you? Nap time after lunch. Yeah? <laughs> can you say more about it? Like, can you tell, make it into a little story? Oh yeah, yeah. When they when they knew, like you probably needed this. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Thank you. Anybody else? Just a second. Just just a pause, because I want I want you to be a part of this meeting. I mean, you are a part of this meeting, but I want. I mean, this is how we get it going. Something pops into your head. That's that's something. You know, I mean, I'm just talking up here. I prepared some stuff. But what the meeting's really about is, like, what's going on in you while we talk about these things and, and sharing that. 
can share one real quick. Oh yeah, Thomas, go. It's really not that good. Um, just like my third birthday party. Wow, you remember that? Yeah, it's my like only, that's as far back as it goes and I don't have any other memories until like a year later and then I remember something that went on. So. What happened at the party? I got like a big bird and a boat thing. I think uh, Cookie Monster might have been in, I forget. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> I remember going up upstairs and christening that. That was cool. In the bathtub. In the bathtub. <laughs> you as excited as, like, get out to do that, too? Yeah, like, in the bathtub. Yeah, that was, was a good boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, cool. I, have, like, I have this little, like, five second ish clip it's like a video it essentially is how it plays in my head yeah like i was really young i was at this apartment that like my parents moved out of when i was two so i must be like one and a half wow. and i have like a green thomas tank engine like those wooden trains I used to have to go on the track and i have it in my hand and i'm like moving it towards the track and that's all i remember just that huh. well, that is glory talking <laughs> yeah i mean it is amazing right when people remember stuff from real early I have like a memory, I think, like, I think I wasn't walking yet. And it's just a flash, like what you're describing. Because I remember being on the floor, I remember the color of the carpet, I remember where my mom was sitting, I remember where a friend was sitting, I remember like the colors of the apartment. And it's just, it's so vague. But, but the, like Ben was saying last week when he was up here, like the more you go into your memory, like it's not a static thing, it's not fixed, like, oh, some things I remember, some things I forgot. Like, the more you, you go, the more you tend to be able to remember. And probably everybody's had this kind of thing where uh, you're somewhere with some people, somebody does something, says something, and this deep, deep, deep memory will rise up in you and play in your head. And you're like, wow, I, I didn't even know that I remember that. But it happens, right? Yeah, and sometimes by dwelling on it, um, going back to it, revisiting it, um, the memory will grow. Whether it's accurate or not, I'm not, I don't really care whether it's accurate or not, but it's part of you. And what it's saying to you now is, um, is what's important. And I think that's where God is speaking to us lots of times. I mean, it's, it's what I'm talking about here is uh, knowing yourself in a deep way where, you know, you think, that maybe you're important enough or you're loved enough to um, actually be connected with on that level. Like as if every moment, you know, really is uh, witnessed, worth witnessing. And I believe in someone who's uh, very much witnessing. <laughs> very much witnessing all that. I think that's, um, you know, I don't think we, I think it's hard to experience uh, God uh, in your head, like by having ideas about God. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, I think what I'm describing to you, uh, connecting with yourself, connecting with yourself as a person who was cared for, who is cared for, and is um, really being saved over and over, rescued. Um, this is what I think it's like to really be human and uh, to be really fully 
human. I don't know how you can... I mean, I think that's the way we get to the divine, to get to God, by, by knowing ourselves and really what, what we have experienced, what this life is. Jesus and all the prophets talk about God as God of the living. Right? So how's the living? How well are you living your living? So it's worth knowing your story. So often in, in cell, you know, we're asked something about the living, right? And it's kind of like we don't really know. Kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. It's the same. Nothing's new. So we end up talking about movies or whatever you're streaming these days, which is, I guess, that's a good, that's a good second, uh, second best maybe. Maybe, maybe you'll realize something through that. I mean, good fiction can do that too. But what about the nonfiction that is? Um, your life and where you've been and who you've been. I just want to really encourage you to get down deep into it. And I, I think uh, the best way to do it is like telling stories. And if your cell is not telling stories like that uh, to each other, or, you know, tell your cell leader, yo, I want to tell more stories. Did this thing happen? Or just, just interrupt. Just do it. Because that'll be good. I have a story. I was, we were watching, Annalise and I were watching this horrible movie a couple weeks ago. It turned out to be a great movie. I'm telling you, like, the first half was horrible, and I hated it. But then, like, in the end, oh, man, it might be, like, my favorite movie I've seen this year. It's called The Florida Project. Has anybody seen it? All right. I, I kind of want to recommend it, but I would say brace yourself for the first half. But I'll give you a hint. So this movie is about um, a kid who's, like, probably just about entering school age, right? Maybe, yeah, maybe five. Have you seen it, Tristan? I have not. Oh, you're nodding. Like, I thought it was going to maybe saw it. So this kid's maybe like, just about on the precipice of entering school, single mom. They're living in a not great situation. And I was like really hating the mom. For like, we watched it over two nights. Because like the first night I was like, this is disgusting. I'm going to bed. It's on Amazon. It's on Amazon Prime if you want to watch it. It's like, this is disgusting. I hate all these people. You know, every, every scene is ugly. I can't keep going. I'm going to just go to bed. But then, second night, uh, we, I said, let's give it another try. We watched the end, and it became like, you know, this revelation to me. So, um, I guess the key is, not, and this doesn't ruin it, but the, the, you have to understand that the movie is, like, from the kid's perspective, which I wasn't getting. That, that's all I'm going to say about it. You can go watch it if you want. Um, so we, we, we started talking about how uh, Annalisa and I were talking about how chaotic the world is. That like, um, you know, kids grow up in all kinds of circumstances. And it was really bothering me, um, the circumstances that this character kid but the movie feels very like real. It feels very realistic. But I was really bothered by the circumstances that the, you know, and I wanted somebody to step in and and establish order in this uh, world because it just seems so disorderly. There was no, there was nobody to put their foot down. Like this can't keep going. This can't go on like this. Somebody's got to put their foot down. I felt like so we were talking about this, and then then it happened. You know, like. Oh, I had this 
memory came out of nowhere. And it's from before I was in school. I know because uh, the house we lived in, where the memory is taking place, uh, was a house I lived in until I was about four years old. So it's pretty early. And uh, I'll try to tell you the story, okay? So it's like summertime. And I'm in the backyard. This is in Runnymede, right down uh, 168, Black Horse Pike, a few towns down. It's a town down there, Runnymede. And we lived in this little house with a closed-in porch. And I had all these toys on the front porch. I guess my parents didn't want to, they didn't know what else to do with this crummy closed-in porch. Um, all my junky toys were out there. Um, but I would, we, in this story, I'm in the backyard, and uh, it's like twilight. I know it was summer, because we wouldn't have been out in the twilight otherwise. You know, if you can imagine, you know, like in the summer, it gets, it gets dark late. It's like, uh, what, 9 o'clock almost? It must have been around 9 o'clock when this was happening, because... I remember the uh, I remember the twilight. I remember the strange quality of the light, the diffuse light. I didn't think of that word until later. That word's not part of uh, memory, but um, yeah, it was warm. I was out in the back running around in this weird light, and I just never wanted it to end. I was playing in the backyard. Both my parents were in the backyard. They weren't telling me what to do, or, um, you know, we weren't in some together activity. They were, I think my dad was working on something, maybe, and I think my mom was talking to a neighbor. I have a vague kind of feeling of them being in the scene, but not really interacting with me a whole lot, you know? So I just had this feeling of, like, freedom, being out there. You know, we weren't outside that much at that hour. So it's this real mystery kind of time, you know, when the sun, after the sun sets, and then there's like this glow for uh, a bit. It seems to go on for a long time, right, after the sun sets. And I was running around the backyard, you know, just like so free. Okay. Probably normally I would have been in bed at that hour because of my age, thinking about it. And my parents weren't, I don't remember my when I, I think of other um, scenes from that house, I don't um, have too many memories of my parents being together. You know, they split up many years later. But at that time, uh, they were both working like different hours. So I was often with one parent and not both. But they were both out there. And um, I, don't, I don't know what was going on. It was the temperature, the light, that both my parents were there. I don't know. I was just having the time of my life like a three-year-old with freedom outside. I just had this sense of total joy. And then I remember uh, my dad saying, okay, it's getting late, time to go in. And I was like, no, absolutely not. No, this is too great right now. There's not a lot of content to this, understand? you understand? Right? There's not a lot of events in this story, so I'm trying to drag this part out a lot. Because there's that feeling, you know, being out there. Like, yeah. And I, you know, I guess my dad said a few times, you know, I gotta go in. It's time to go to bed soon. 
it's getting dark, you gotta come in, you know, and I guess he insisted. And I'm like, no, 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 this can't end. And like, <laughs> I, because I knew what was coming, you know, that I was gonna be made to go inside, I jumped into a bush. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, if you won't get me, this won't end if I just jump in this bush. <laughs> it looked like the right size bush, it looked like I could take cover in there, I was like hiding in things when I was a kid, you know, like, jump in this bush. It was like so impulsive. I remember the impulse, I remember doing it, and I remember right afterwards the, the terror that I felt, because all of a sudden, that was like pain everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I learned the word sticker bush then, but I sure learned it soon after because I had jumped into a sticker bush. Yeah. Three or something. So the next like kind of panel in the memory is I'm standing on top of the toilet in the, our bathroom uh, with no clothes on. My dad's pulling all the thorns out of me. And I remember it hurt. Every time you pulled them out, it hurt. I remember crying. And I remember him taking his time doing it and him saying, no, I have to get these all out. That's the memory. That's the memory. Uh, so here's our church, right? Almost done. Here's our church. Uh, our church, you know, we're trying to be a church where people can meet God. You know, people from all kinds of places, all kinds of backgrounds. We hope they come here and they can meet God in a new way. We're trying to do a lot of new things. Um, and that, that happens all the time. But uh, to tell you the truth, um, church is full of, our church happens to be full of people who grew up in a church. And usually, uh, they didn't grow up in Circle of Hope. I think there's a couple now who've grown up in Circle of Hope, right? <laughs> a couple of them. But most of them grew up in some other church, and they grew up in some church that, you know, for some reason, whatever, didn't satisfy them on some level, right? And now, now they're here, and they're still connected to the church. And maybe this church feels a little bit better to them, or less offensive somehow. Uh, I don't know. You could ask them, but I, you know, I listen to people's stories, when, especially when they join the church at our, our love feast. And uh, often, like it's coming down, I feel like they, why they choose this particular church is it often comes down to some kind of like uh, morality, or you know, maybe take the church out of it and talk about just uh, living in a world where God exists. You know, for a lot of people, it comes down to uh, morality. And often the, the objection people have to that often is a moralistic or connected to people's ideas of good behavior and bad behavior often. Right? Like, well, you know, it's often the objection, right? Or often you hear something like, oh, well, you Christians, like, you know, I can never, I can never be a Christian because you guys require all that not doing stuff. Or doing other stuff, 
you know, good and bad, good behavior, bad behavior. Does that sound like realistic? You've heard this? I'm not making stuff up, right? Okay, yeah, good. I'm interested in this guy, um, you know, and there's like liberal con churches, conservative churches, right? And, you know, maybe people find a way to the church that, you know, makes them feel okay about, you know, their ideas about morality that they already have. That's kind of something I'm thinking about lately. I'm interested in this guy, uh, Jonathan Haidt. Anybody ever hear of him? Got an uh from Dan. Right, that's mine. Yeah, that's the guy. Right, just mine. Oh, that sounds like an interesting hypothesis. You're going to have to tell me about that later. Jonathan Haidt, yeah, he's a social psychologist. Is that right? Do you read these books? I, I haven't read it yet. My father got for me. I read like the first couple pages a while ago, but he got for me for Christmas. I want to. I, I saw a lot of people recommend it, but yeah. Yeah. It's about like how people think differently on political things. I, I bet it goes into a lot of detail about all kinds of psychology and philosophy. Yeah, maybe you're like me. I'm more of an aspirational reader. Yeah. I like buy books that I want to read. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Usually, though, just reading the, the the blurb on the back is good enough. For the first couple of chapters, and then after that, you give a lot of Introduction and the preference, you can get a lot out of. Um, yeah, yeah nonfiction is like most nonfiction books. Could, I think could be a pamphlet. Really, yeah. they don't need to be a book. Yeah. Anyway, Jonathan Haidt. He was uh, on the radio lately. Uh, maybe you heard it. And he was talking. He was talking about this. This is interesting about people's ideas about morality. Right? He he says this. I thought this was pretty accurate. He says, when it comes to moral judgments, he says, we think we're scientists discovering the truth, but we are actually lawyers arguing for positions we have arrived at already by other means. Mm. I, I got an mm. Yeah? You agree? Okay. You don't have to agree, but it's a nice thing you do. Um, so he, just to explain, Expand on it a little more. So what he's saying is, uh, especially now, when, when there's so many like political uh, like debates going on, and that seems to be like people are eager to engage each other around, uh, you know, like I'm conservative, so I think this should happen, and this, and this guy's definitely innocent, and this and that, and no, oh, I'm I'm liberal, and I think you should jump in the lake if you believe that, because that's horrible. And, Actually, things should be this way because of this and that. That's the way we are a lot of the times nowadays. Um, well, according to Jonathan Haidt, his research, he says, uh, he's, he's saying it's not really in your mind and thinking things through rationally that you come to identify as one or the other. He says it really has a lot more to do with something that probably got formed when you were like two or three or maybe one, or maybe a few months, and you're attaching to your mom or not attaching to your mom in a stable way. Here's, I'm going to quote him again. Is that all right? I don't like to read too much to you. But he says, psychologically, what we find empirically, empirically is like through experiments Experience. and direct observation. So psychologically, what we find through direct observation is that people who identify as conservative tend to like order and predictability. 
They are not attracted to change for the sake of change. Whereas, people who identify as liberal, they like variety and diversity. Okay, this is him talking. I have one study where we have dots moving around on a screen. This is crazy. Conservatives like the images where the dots are moving around lockstep with each other. And liberals like it when the dots move all crazy-like. I don't mean to say crazy. I didn't mean that. <laughs> when they move around without patterns. Is that better? Okay. Isn't that nuts? That's pretty nuts, right? As, as something as um, arbitrary as a screen with dots moving on it. You know, that's about as far as you can get from anything like uh, political. Still, people have a preference one way or the other based on what they think politically. Is it think politically or is it feel politically? Yeah, I think, I think that's worth knowing about yourself. You might have to go back a ways uh, to get there. Anyway, getting back to my story, my sticker bush story. Um, you know, I, I remember uh, when I was a little, little kid, the predominant feeling when, when I remember that house, and living in that house, and scenes that come to me from that house is that I'm often alone. Or often I'm alone even though there's an adult in the house somewhere, I still feel alone. I also um, have a feeling when I think about that, my time living at that house, and that would have been about from like two to four, pretty early, that um, when there was something good, there was never enough of something good, right? Like it always ended like that wonderful twilight moment that didn't last long enough, right? But when I remember that story, um, you know, my dad's a big part of that story. He was calling me in, and of course he did, you know? Like, what if, you know, what if I grew up under worse circumstances and I was just left as a child out there, as the sunset? You know, what if he closed the door and went in? And I was out all night. It would have been horrible. Right? I'm very um, comfortable and ready to believe and continue to believe and search out the God who puts limits on me. Right? I think this is something about um, accepting turning around and becoming like a child, becoming like a little child. I, I want limits on me. I really want limits on me. The older I get, the more I realize it's a great big wide world. And yeah, I need God to say no to me. Often. And I'm often listening for that no. I certainly need a God who's going to call me in. And it's ready to come in. And on the other side of it, I know that when I do fall, when something does go wrong, I mean, because I keep throwing myself into bushes. I've done it a million times since then. God's patient, God's patient and good. It's like that. I remember my dad pulling out every one 
Well, it was Thorne. I'm sure it was like, I'm sure he just wanted to sit down and watch TV at that point, you know? I'm sure he was like ready, like, whatever had happened before, okay, it's nighttime, sun's down, like, put the kid to bed, put the game on, you know, but no, he wouldn't put me to bed. So yeah, so that's part of my story. I, I think um, it, that encourages me to get out of my head a lot. That encourages me to connect with uh, who, who I am, who I have been for a long time. You know, I didn't, whatever ideas are going through my head right now, or in the past two years, I didn't just come up with them. Like, I didn't think them up. The way I was raised, things that happened early, early in my life, set me up for a certain kind of thing. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.